for that. Appreciate that. So we're going to continue on in the series we're doing called Go Eat Popcorn. This series uh, is named that so that you remember Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Uh, These are four letters that we've been studying together. Uh, And in these letters, Paul really gives us some amazing foundational truths that we need to have to really experience the full and abundant life that Jesus came for us to have. And uh, we've looked at these uh, books together, and so we're almost done with Philippians. Today we'll be in Philippians 4. But in Galatians, the big point that I was trying to get us all to see is that we're to live this life in response to how God loves us, not uh, trying to live in a way to get God to respond to us. And that keeps us from becoming legalistic. And then uh, in Ephesians, it was about our identity, who we are in Christ. And we talked about the church, um, that, that right now you're the church gathered corporately. When you leave, you're still the church. You're just the church on mission. And to get into our sort of thinking that the church isn't something that we do. Church is something that we are. It's something that we live all the time. And it's very important for us to sort of know that's taking place in our lives. Out of those sort of understandings, then, we move into Philippians, where it's about our attitude, our our perspective, the way we think about things. And Paul is challenging us in those areas of our lives. And so today, we're going to really going to talk about attitude together and what that means. That's the intro. Transition. uh, Always a bad joke or two. You want to hear a joke about a stone? Ah, never mind. I'm just going to skip that one. I know. These are very bad. I'm quite pleased with them. This one is not, it's really, the photon moved very quickly through space because it was traveling light. I know. This one, this is a classic. If I order a hatchet from Europe and have it shipped, I'd have a foreign accent. (laughs) Comedy gold right there. You'll be sharing that with your friends. Scripture reading here on purpose, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. You will probably know these verses if you've been coming here for any length of time. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, I know that passage extremely well because I say it often throughout the day. It's one of my go-to passages. And particularly verse 6, where it says, Do not be anxious about anything. I'm, I'm probably reminding myself of that verse half a dozen times a day. And so I, I know those, that scripture and I think about it and it's very life-changing in the way that we look at things. And, and so I kind of want to dig into that with you today and what that's all about, how important it is to sort of not be anxious about things in our lives. Alice and I were in Washington, D.C. last week and uh, we went to a conference there uh, a very cool thing. We got to go to two separate churches and spend the day with their pastors and their staff, and they sort of worked us through how they did things. Uh, part of a vineyard group where we get invited um, once a year to go and see how some of the really successful churches around the country are doing things, and we can learn a lot. We can ask them questions, and so it's a, it's a great opportunity for us. So we went up there, and we, we visited a church in um, Maryland 
and a church in Virginia, both about the same distance away from the capital, about 25, 30 miles out, both doing great work and really fascinating, brilliant people that we got to meet. So um, we, we were heading up, and I didn't, I, I've heard a lot about the driving, the traffic in Washington, D.C. and around there, so I didn't want to do it. And so I just figured, not renting a car, we'll Uber where we need to go, and God will take care of that. And that was a really good decision. We got a little bit of time to go and sightsee. But on uh, Tuesday, we were heading over to our meeting from the hotel, and uh, I, I found one of my vineyard uh, pastor friends, and he had room in his car for Alice and I. He had rented a car. It was very helpful. And I said, can we tag along with you? Because we were changing hotels later that day. We needed somewhere to put our luggage. So we loaded in. We got in the car. And... Um, we're in the back of the car, and he starts driving. Now, at first, I'm thinking that this ride is a little crazy because of the type of car it is, because I feel like we're, we're being moved around in the back quite a bit. And then I'm kind of watching my friend uh, drive, and he's really kind of staring at his phone, trying to figure out where he's going. And then I kind of glance at the speedometer, and he's doing like 85. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm like, well, that's not good. And then Alice, I feel Alice, she just leans over, and she grabs my hand in like the death grip. And, and I look at the other hand, and, you know, she didn't grow up Catholic or anything, but she's doing this. In the <laughs> and and I, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, it's going to be okay. And I, I start thinking about that verse. Don't be anxious about anything. I'm trying to, it's going to be okay. Just flow. We're going to be all right. God's got us this far, you know. And, and, uh, and so that's this crazy drive. Well, later on, we find out that my pastor friend, at, when he was younger, used to be a cab driver in New York City. And all of a sudden, it made perfect sense, and I relaxed. I'm like, oh, well, that's why he drives like that. Okay, so all is good. But I, I did think about that verse in the midst of that situation. It was very helpful because we're God's. He's got us, and everything's going to be okay. So um, this passage is so powerful, and we're going to dig into it. I wanted to read it to you in the message paraphrase as well and just kind of look at it again in this. So, verse 4, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. So, see, that's where we need to sort of get to, that, that we just are celebrating God. You start being thankful for what He's done in your life, for the, for the amazing things, like how he's, He brought us out of darkness and in the light. He rescued us from the trap that we were in, that we're now in Christ, the sons and daughters of God. How amazing is that? Just start thinking about some of these big concepts, that we're His forever, that we know the end of the book, we know that He wins and that we win because of what's going on, that we have these things in life, that, that as believers, this should be something that's just sort of a part of us and what we're doing in the, in the whole area of our life. Make it, He says, as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Wow. What do you think the difference in the world would be if we really lived like that? Just if we really were golden rule people and we were treating other people all the time the way we wanted to be treated instead of sort of responding to the way they treat us. If we could just love people regardless if their opinions are different than ours or any of their other things are different. And we just love them because of the love that we have in us from God. And because this love is supposed to be pouring through us. What a difference we'd make in the world around us. And he goes on and says, this, for this reason, help them see that the master is about to arrive. He could show up any minute. See, the reason that we're supposed to operate like that in the world is that Jesus is coming back. And he could come back any moment. And we want everybody to be able to celebrate his arrival when he comes. And so we're purposely trying to be a, a light into this world so that they can come and know Jesus and find life as well goes on, don't fret or worry. It sort of changes here. Instead of worrying, pray. Let your petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. 
That is paramount to having a good attitude in this life. We're going we're gonna to talk today about having our, our worries shaped into prayers and how important that really is. Before you know it, when you do that, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. Isn't it wonderful? It's wonderful. It says, what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life? There's something amazing about that. And I think we can relate to that. So often we allow worry to really kind of define us and become the center of who we are. But that's where Jesus wants to be. And when we allow that to sort of take hold, it makes a huge difference in everything that we do. Summing it all up, Paul says, remembering all those things, you know, about celebrating God and loving others and that we can take our worries and our problems to Him and that He's got us. He says, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds on meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. See, He wants us to focus on those things so that, that we can experience this life. So with those passages in mind, that, that passage, you know, translated in two different ways, I want to sort of walk through three things together that I think can help us with our attitudes on this journey. And the first one is this, that we need to be thankful. We need to be thankful in this life. Um, if you've been a part of us for a while, you'll know that at every service, at some point in time, we do this thing where we say, be thankful for five things, encourage two people so we can get one lost child back to dad. We, we talk about it all the time. We have hand signals for it. It's a part of who we are. And the reason that we do that is that I want to encourage you to be thankful people. Remember verse 4 again says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean revel in Him. So uh, we, we need to learn to start our days by being thankful. Be thankful for five things, at least five things. And this will change the way that you go through each and every day in your life. So, so begin to thank Him for all the things that, that He's done, all the things that you have. Um, celebrating God uh, in all these areas. And, and so you start getting thankful for what you have instead of being unsatisfied for what you think you need to have. This is significant. See, if you start by being thankful, that changes the way you look. If you start, immediately start thinking about everything that you don't have that you'd like to have or that you wish you had or whatever it might be, you'll go through life in, in a very negative sort of way. So you really need to start by going, God, I'm so thankful for all these things, these amazing things in my life. And then what happens is your attitude begins to change throughout the days of your life from the things that you have to do to the things that you get to do. And that's huge. So if you're not a thankful person, you'll start going through the day about, well, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I have to do this. I have, well, I have to go to work now, and I have to, I have to drive on these roads to get to work, and I have to, and I have to, and I have to. And you, it's your attitude is not. But if you start thinking, today, I'm thankful. I get to go to work. I'm glad I have a job. I get to go to the people that I work with, and maybe there's an opportunity for me to share with somebody or pray for somebody. Maybe there's something going on. I get to. Uh, yesterday, Saturday. Uh, after I finished here in the morning, I had to go to Winn-Dixie. And, uh, but here's the deal. Now I'm, I'm thankful for Winn-Dixie. I really am. So it's more like I get to go and I, I have that attitude. And remember, I've told you this. I'm just thankful that I don't have to butcher my beef. I don't have to grow all my stuff. I don't have to pluck chickens. I don't have to do any of that because there's a Winn-Dixie and they take care of all that mess for me. And so if it's busy or there's something, it just takes a little longer, but it doesn't take as long as the other stuff would, right? It's a win. 
And I can remember when I first got to this island, there wasn't a Winn-Dixie here. So, so I'm very thankful for Winn-Dixie and, and everybody's there. And so I get to go. And sure enough, yesterday, it's another one of those days, I get to go and I start to run into people that I needed to see, that I could pray for, that I could say hello to. I saw somebody that I hadn't seen in seven or eight years and got to catch up uh, who had just come back into the area. And so it was a, it was a get-to thing and it's, it's, it's good. But that's, that's the difference between being thankful and, and not. And part of this whole attitude thing is choosing to be thankful people. And, and then everything begins to change in the process. And, and so being thankful, it's really about just staying focused on Jesus and what He can do with it. Do you remember the, the story where uh, the Apostle Peter uh, is, is... Jesus is walking on the water and Peter sees him and there's a big storm and Jesus says, well, come on out, you can come with me and do this too. And Peter goes, cool, because I think that's a pretty good response. And he gets out and he starts walking on the water and then he gets his eyes off of Jesus and he starts looking at the circumstances around him. You know what he does? He sinks like a rock, which is what his name means. Anyway, so the, that's way funnier. You'll get it later. So he sinks because he, he got his eyes off of Jesus. See, and so by being thankful, it really helps us to stay focused and to keep our eyes on Jesus. Second, turn your worries into prayers. Turn your worries into prayers. Verse 6 said, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers letting God know your concerns. So here's the thing. Worry is not helpful because it doesn't do anything. And yet, most of us are really good worriers. Um, some of you are incredible worriers. And, and you've taken worry to a whole new level. It's an art form with you. And uh, you can take a situation and use your imaginations, your God-given imaginations, and you can take that and use it for different purposes. And all of a sudden, you're imagining 100 different variables of the thing that you're feeling, all of them bad. All different possible outcomes. And you start then trying to figure out, for things that haven't even happened yet, how you might possibly deal with them to try and change them. And you're spending an amazing amount of energy on things that haven't happened. Sometimes I'll throw out this statistic that 90% of the things you worry about never happen. But the reason I struggle even with doing that is that then someone will come to me and go, see, 10% does happen. I knew I needed to worry about that. Worry doesn't change anything. But prayer does. See, prayer is effective. Prayer often changes circumstances, but even more often what prayer does is it changes us, changes me. And, and it gets me back in a right spot where I can trust Him and I know that He's good and that He's got me and that that I don't have to take these things in. And I can feel myself get anxious. I don't know how you, but I can feel it. I can feel it. It's like a sweat. I can feel it happen. And when I'm, when I'm where I need to be, I just go, well, I don't need to be anxious about anything. But I need to pray. And, and He helps me. So we, in effect, it's, it's being retrained. Allowing the Holy Spirit to rechange you. You, you. you were taught how to worry. You may not know that, but you didn't naturally worry. You were taught how to worry by the people around you. And so you ask the Holy Spirit to retrain you. And so, you know, I do things like this. I think about the Word of God and how amazing the Word is. And in Hebrews, there's a couple of scriptures. In Hebrews 11, uh, Hebrews 10, 19, and Hebrews 4, 14 and following, it talks about the fact that we now have access to the throne room of God, the Holy of Holies. Uh, it says it in two different ways in those verses. Uh, and that we can go there and get all the mercy and grace that we need for life. And I love those promises, and I started to think about them. But then, you know, I've told you how amazing the Word is, and I like to read the Word, and that from beginning to end, God has just moved all these and weaved all these amazing things into His stories. And so the Scripture tells us we have access to the throne room now, uh, and, and yet there's a 
great stories that illuminate that. So this is, this is one of them. And it's about uh, uh, the resurrection morning and Mary Magdalene uh, at the tomb. And so, you know, let me just set that up quickly. Um, if you remember... ...to go, because <laughs> you don't remember uh, Lesson 7 the way I do. I talked about um, Mary Magdalene as a type of, of the church in, in the picture... Uh, and, and so as the bride of Christ, she's not, she never actually married Jesus or anything. That didn't happen. But she was a type of the bride of Christ. And I, we, we looked back into Genesis and we saw how God uh, made Eve uh, and that he, you know, he took um, open Adam's side and took substance out of his side and created Eve out of that and then presented Eve to Adam. And, and that was a big moment. And it was very cool. Well, with uh, Jesus as the bridegroom and us as the bride, something very similar happens that when Jesus dies on the cross, remember his side is pierced with a Roman spear and substance comes out, water and blood and that water and blood is used to provide a bride for Jesus, us because we're, we're purchased with the blood and we're purified with the water and after Jesus defeats death and rises again as a type of bride uh, Mary Magdalene is there at the tomb and meets with him and so it's a significant picture well, while she's there at the tomb on that morning she peers in to uh, the tomb and, and she sees something amazing. Back in the Old Testament, there was only one person who had access to the most holy place, the, that spot, and that was only once a year and it was the holiest person in Israel, supposedly, the high priest. And the high priest would have to go through this huge ceremony for that to happen. Couldn't even have a pimple or anything. He would go in and he would take some of the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkle it on the mercy seat. The mercy seat was the top of the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a box. It was all a gold box. It was about six, six feet long or so. And on either end of the box there were cherubim, angels, um, facing one another, one at the head and one at the foot. And the, the top of that was called the mercy seat. And that's where the, the uh, God existed, God's presence was. And the high priest would put blood there to atone for our sin. So that's the picture. Well, now... Um, we have the promise in the scripture that we have access to that place all the time and Mary demonstrates it for us because when she looks into the tomb on that amazing morning what she sees is she sees his grave clothes Jesus' grave clothes spread out all the way out about five and a half six feet the length of the man there's blood on there from what's taken place and there's an angel at the head and at the foot that are standing there and what she's seeing is in reality a picture of the Ark of the Covenant Jesus has become that place where heaven and earth meet and where we have access to God all the time and this blood is, is shed there to cover for those sins and, and she peeks in there and sees that and, and as a type of the church for us at that moment it's demonstrating to us that we now have access to the very throne room the holy place of God and at the throne is everything that we'll ever need now and so that's an amazing picture see and I think about those things so I, when the scripture says don't be anxious I get it we've got he's got us and He's going to take care of us. And we don't need to be anxious. We just need to pray and let Him have those things in our life. And then thirdly is this. You need to own your attitude. You need to own your attitude. Everybody here knows that they have, a, have an attitude, right? I never, when my daughter was two, one day I came home and she had something going on. And she actually did this thing where, where she looked at me and she put her hand on her hip like this. Kind of gave me one of these things. And I'm like, oh, no, no, no. You do not get to have attitude at two with me. But she did anyway. But, but we have attitude. We, we choose our attitude. And, and so 
what kind of attitude are we going to choose? How are we going to do this in our lives? We need to own it. Again, in Philippians 4.8, wonderful verse. He says, uh, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do, be best, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly things to praise, not to curse. See, the, the amazing gift we have here is we get to choose how we respond to things in life. We struggle with. Worry is about us trying to control our circumstance. But see, we can't control our circumstance. It's not in our gifts. It's not something that we have. But we can control our response to circumstance. And that's significant. Because if you choose to respond with the good stuff and with the things you have, you're, you're going to find that life is just so much better in that process. And, and so what kind of attitude will we choose? Let me end with this quick story. Alice and I are blessed to have a dog and a cat. We have one of each. And let me tell you that they're both very similar in size and in color, and, and they both have pretty much the same life. They live with us inside, and they have access to us. They have everything they need. But they have different attitudes in the way they experience these things. And so I shared this with you a couple of years ago, um, but I'll share it again because I think it's important. I uh, actually found that the dog and the cat were both keeping journals. Who knew? So <laughs> let me start with my dog's journal, and then I'll read you the cat's journal. Uh, 6 a.m., my dog's journal. Dog food, my favorite thing. 7 a.m., sat on the patio and watched the sunrise with the humans, my favorite thing. 10 a.m., I got petted, my favorite thing. Noon, milk bones, my favorite thing. 1 o'clock, wagged my tail, my favorite thing. 3 o'clock, went for a ride in the golf cart, my favorite thing. 5 o'clock, dinner, my favorite thing. 7 o'clock, wow, I got to watch TV with the humans, my favorite thing. 10 o'clock, sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Let me read you the cat's journal. Day 3,567 of my captivity. <laughs> my captors continue to torment me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine on good food while the other inmate and I are fed some sort of dry nuggets. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. In an attempt to discuss them, I once again vomited on the carpet. Today, I decapitated a lizard and dropped his headless body at their feet. I had hoped this would strike fear into their hearts, since this clearly demonstrates my capabilities. I was almost successful in an attempt to assassinate one of my tormentors by weaving around his feet as he was walking. I'm going to do this again tomorrow at the top of the stairs. <laughs> now, I don't want any, you know, cat hate mail, okay, because I love my cat. And I love my dog. But they're, they're different. And see, we get to respond to our circumstance. How are we going to do it? And so my encouragement is, and Paul's encouragement is, choose to respond to it in, the, in a godly way, being thankful for who he is and what he's done. And thinking about life as the things that you get to do instead of things you have to do. And, and remembering that we live this life to impact other people and that we make a difference in their lives. So take all those things in and sort of think about that this week. And then we'll come back next week and we'll... We'll pick up some more. Amen. Ministry team, those of you here, why don't you head over to the wall. People on the way over there are here to pray for you. If you need prayer for anything, they'll make sure that you get it. But let me pray for you as a group. And then we'll dismiss. Papa, again, thank you so much for your goodness to us and your love for us. You're such an awesome God. Help us, Lord, to, to choose a godly attitude in the way that we live this life. In a way that not only impacts us, but impacts the world around us for you. 
bring renewal, revival, and breakthrough to this area, that hundreds and thousands of people would come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We pray again for every church in this area, God, where your word is preached, and ask that you would bless them abundantly with everything they need to fulfill the mission you've given them. We ask, God, for your abundant blessing on us to fulfill the mission you've given us of one more, just one more lost child back to you, God, just one more. Thank you so much for including us in your story here in this time and place. You're such an awesome God. If you need prayer this morning for anything, the folks over there pray for you. Healing, relationships, problems, finances, situations, whatever you got. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let's take care of that today as well too. It's, it's humility and faith. In humility, it's just admitting to God you're broken like all the rest of us you've sinned. Asking Him to forgive you what you're doing. Then in faith, inviting and accepting Jesus into your heart and life as Lord and Savior. If you've never prayed a prayer like that, do it today. Do it now. It's the best decision you will ever make in your life. If you need help, just go and ask somebody. Say, I want to know Jesus. I'll know exactly what you need. So if you need prayer for that or for anything, I'd encourage you to get it. If you're going to stay and have breakfast with us, Lord, thank you for the food you provided today. Bless that. Everybody that makes it possible. Draw people in for the 11 o'clock service today. And you are an awesome, awesome Praise God from whom all blessings flow. May the Lord bless and keep you. May His face shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace. And go today in the peace, the power, and the love of God. God bless you all. Thank you for being here. Remember, be thankful for five things. Encourage two people so we can get one lost child back. Your dad prayers over there. Breakfast will be in the back. As you go, drive safely. Be kind to one another in the parking lot. Love them well out there. Have a great day. Catch some fish. Hope your team wins. Hope your driver wins. See you later. Bye. Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.